we're continuing our series today uh, on uh, the Holy Spirit. Dave started us off, um, didn't he? He gave us that whistle-stop tour um, of the Holy Spirit through the Old Testament and dancing into the New Testament. Sally carried it on last week. We've talked about the Holy Spirit as the breath or the ruach of God. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit animated the waters. He hovered over the chaos and animated creation. We've talked about the Holy Spirit inspiring prophecy in the Old Testament. And today in Romans, we're going to see four things. We're going to see Paul teaching us um, that the Spirit, let me flick it. Oh, I've done the PowerPoint in the wrong order. There we go. Uh, we're going to see the, uh, the Paul teaching us that we can see the kingdom come. We're going to see him teaching us we have everlasting life with Jesus. We're going to see him that we are teaching, teaching us that we are drawn into God's family. And we're going to see him teaching us that we are led on an adventure. So let's go back to the start. I'm going to read through Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have set their minds, have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. It's a chunky bit of the Bible. There's an awful lot of stuff in there. And I'm just going to unpack a few little bits of it. But as a bit of an overview, Paul, who's writing this, was a Jew. And at that time, uh, he would have been waiting, or prior to this, he would have been waiting for the Messianic age to come. And all of a sudden, in the space of a few days, he realizes that Jesus has been raised from the dead and the spirit has been given. And these are signs that he's been waiting for. 
all of a sudden he's like, oh, hang on a minute. This is a big deal, what's going on here. And so he is writing this in a place of recognition that the age to come has arrived. So I'm going to show you this. This is a great little image for us to bear in mind. So we've got the present age running along the bottom. Then at the top, we've got the age to come, starting at the dotted line, heading out there. And right now, from the cross, we, until the second coming, we live in this now and not yet time of the kingdom of God. And that's a lot of what this passage is talking about. It's about seeing God's kingdom come in the now, but also knowing that we live as a people who are already blessed for the future. There we go. So, let's look at these first uh, couple of verses. Uh, We can see in verses 5 to 8 that they're contrasting two ways of living. Living by the flesh, that means living by our kind of creatureliness. Some, Some translations talk about living by the sinful self, living kind of for just for us. And also they contrast that with living as the spirit desires. Now, the presence of the Spirit in our lives means that we can go uh, some way towards living as Jesus did. You know, Jesus says, doesn't he, loads of ways, particularly in Luke, it's really big on this, that he does only what he sees the Father doing. He talks about being full of the Spirit, and he's appointed for his kingdom mission by the leading of the Spirit. He's not just appointed to bring the Spirit to do a miracle. He's not just appointed to kind of feed the 5,000. That's not the role of the Spirit. It's involved in it, but that's not what it's about. It's all about his life, his whole lifestyle. We saw in Genesis that the Spirit is creative, it's a create he it is a he he is a creative spirit and in each of us the spirit of god is recreating our lifestyles he's recreating us as people who do what the father is doing and i love this idea of the spirit recreating in us That spirit of creation that we saw in Genesis is alive and active now in our lives, creating in us a Holy Spirit-led lifestyle. And we get to choose to engage in that. Don't get me wrong, you can choose to actively not engage in that. But actually, we get to choose to engage in a Holy Spirit-led lifestyle. So what does that mean? For me, it means partly that we get to see the kingdom come. We pray that, don't we, in the Lord's Prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done. And when we engage with the creative spirit in a kingdom of God type of lifestyle, we get to see the kingdom come right now. We get to see glimpses of the future, of eternity, of our eternal lifestyles right now. 
We're drawing out some of God's kind of kingdom principles. Loving God with our whole heart, soul, mind and strength. Loving our neighbor as ourself, but not by our strength, but by a life lived full of the spirit and following his lead. The next little bit, I seem to have changed versions of the Bible here. I do that a bit. Do you know what? When you're reading the Bible, having different versions, I apologize for changing it, but actually it's really helpful. When you're reading the Bible, the joy of you version or whatever it is you might have on your phones is you can flick between different versions of the Bible and it takes you to different places and you can see what God's saying. Sometimes I'll read it in one version. I'll be like, I have not a clue what you're talking about. Then I'll read in another version. I'll think like, oh, I get it. And then I'll go back to the first version and be like, oh, I get that now. So I do recommend it. If you read a bit of scripture and you think, what on earth? Swap around your versions a little bit because it's really helpful. Anyway, um, So this second little bit talks about having everlasting life with Jesus. That's a massive concept, isn't it? That's a big deal. Your body will always be dead because of sin. But if Christ is in you, then the spirit gives you life because Christ made you right with God. God raised Jesus from the dead. And if God's spirit is living in you, he will also give life to your bodies that die. God is the one who raised Christ from the dead. And he will give life through his spirit that lives in you. The creative spirit at Jesus' death brought about his resurrection And we share that same creative spirit inside each of us. That same creative spirit that had the power to raise Jesus from the dead lives in us and is a guarantee. It's a guarantee of our future lives with God. It's a promise of the physical recreation in the age to come. And it's a promise of the moral recreation that can happen now. Our new humanity, part of us as a new creation, is here now when we keep in step with the Spirit. And that that spirit is, um, it talks in various places in the Bible about it being a deposit, like a down payment, a, a guarantee of that everlasting life. And we forget, don't we? We sometimes lose track of that, that we have that in our lives, which means we get to see God's kingdom come on earth right now. We get to be part of what God is already doing. But resting in that security, that secure knowledge, that that incredible creative spirit, even though our our bodies, our, our fleshly, earthly bodies will die, that we have everlasting life with Jesus. There is so much more I could say about that. Um, but I'm not going to today. I'm going to move on a little bit because, but, um, if, 
you are here and you doubt that or don't know that, this is a great place to start exploring that. If you don't know Jesus in your life, come and talk to someone. We'd love to introduce you. It's not going to be a massive kind of scary thing. We'll just chat. But we'd love to talk to you about that and introduce you to the possibility of an everlasting life with Jesus. We are drawn into God's family. This chunk draws out that fact I was talking about earlier, that we are children of God. You know, we use this phrase in church all the time, but I don't think we necessarily give it the weight it deserves. It's become a bit of a kind of a nicely, nicely phrase. We're all children of God. How very lovely. Um, But actually, to be a child of God has massive implications. It goes on to talk about being co-heirs with Christ, but I'll get to that. But it compares our our old life as that of a, a slave. You know, now we no longer carry out our day-to-day life with the the risk of eternal punishment. We no no longer need to follow a set of laws to make us right with God. But repeatedly, I find myself drawn back to living like a slave. I wonder if you'll recognize any of these things. I'm drawn back when I forget to read my Bible. It happens a lot. Um, That's just who I am. I'm a bit scatty. And I get to the end of the week and I think, oh, I haven't looked at my Bible very much. Or sometimes I find myself thinking, I wish I did a more worthy job. I don't do a very worthy job. I work for big corporates who make a lot of money and I make their meetings and their presentations happen. And they're not particularly ethical sometimes. And I think, I wish I did a, a more worthy job. I end up feeling guilty. But these things, they creep into our lives. You might be able to spot things that creep into your life that lead you um, to acting like maybe a slave. But God gives us his spirit. And that spirit is a sign of our adoption into God's family. It's a sign that we have become joint heirs with Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus. That means that I inherit as Jesus did. That means I get to hang out with my brother Jesus, with our daddy God. I don't live like that sometimes. I don't live knowing always that I'm a brother, a sister of Jesus that God's my heavenly father, I know it up here, but does it affect what I do every day? God gave us the spirit that allows us to live that life. You know what? If I read my Bible every day, yes, it helps. 
yes, it makes a really big difference. It changes my perceptions of things. It really helps me. But I don't need to live worrying about it. And do I need a more worthy job? Well, that's utter twaddle. Because God needs Christians everywhere to see God's kingdom come. Dallas Willard says this, why is it that we look upon our salvation as a moment that began our religious life instead of the daily life we receive from God? I suspect lots of you, maybe in the front of your Bibles, have got written the date that you became a Christian. I haven't. I don't know why. It just didn't ever happen. I've got no idea. I know the year, but nothing more than that. But I suspect lots of us maybe know the date we became a Christian or we can pinpoint. We might be like, I became a Christian at this particular point. That was the day I was saved. And that's important. But you know what? So is the next day. And so is the next day. And so is the next day. And so is today. And so is tomorrow. Because the fact that you were saved on that day wasn't the end. It was the beginning. It was the beginning of a life led by Jesus. The exciting thing is that our adoption is also part of this kind of now and and not yet kingdom of God. The adoption papers are signed and he lives with us by his spirit. But there's more to come when his kingdom reigns fully on earth. But we are people who live in the present, but we are stamped with that eternity. Do people see that in our lives? Do we show that we are people of the kingdom of God in our everyday. Romans 8 finishes with this. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So all of this that I'm saying, Paul finishes this passage by going, do you know what? Nothing's going to change that. Maybe you're sat here thinking, am I, am I really full of the Spirit? Yes. Yes and yes. The answer is that if you have accepted that you've been saved by Jesus, then yes, you're full of the Spirit. And nothing is going to separate that. If you've gone off and done all sorts and not been in church for for 10 years, and then you've come back, the Spirit of God is with you. The message says this final passage in just such a beautiful way. It says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, Father 
and children. And we know we are going to get exactly what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. When I first became a Christian, I'd have found that what's next, Papa? What's next, Daddy God? Really hard. When I was planning this talk, I was like, what I need is a really good adventure story where my dad and I, we went on an adventure and we did something and I looked up at my dad and I had complete faith and trust that this was going to be great. Well, I haven't got one of those. And I actually cried about that last night. But that's okay because I've got a daddy God who says, what's next? When you type in adventure into the internet, this is what comes up. And I thought, I really hope not, because I don't like dogs. I'm not a big fan of water sports. Um, I'm afraid of heights. Generally, I'm not the most adventurous person on the planet. Um, I quite, I quite like climb, rock climbing, and I like fires. I'm all right with that if that's what it's about. But yeah, I'll pass on everything else. And I was like, well, when it says we're going off on an adventure with God, I do hope it doesn't look like that. Oh, no, that's the one. This is what it looks like. I've stolen some of your pictures off your work Facebook, off your work pages. It was quite fun Googling lots of you and trying to find if your photos were on the internet. I had quite a nice little time. What's next, Dad? Where is the Holy Spirit leading the lovely Paul Grover as he's putting a van up onto a truck? What's next on the adventure? It's not climbing a mountain. It's talking to a colleague. I know Paul really struggled to get someone to take that photo for me because they were a bit like, why? That's a little bit weird. But it's an opportunity to start that adventure. For Pam in the hospital, making food and drink and blessing the staff there. The Holy Spirit is drawing her into an adventure. It's not asking her to change jobs and go and do something. It's saying the Holy Spirit is with you. Pete talks about this quite a lot, about the Holy Spirit with him at work. You know, as I look up there, I've got teachers, we've got doctors, we've got people working in offices, people working on cars, all sorts of different jobs, different nine-to-fives. Let's not park the Holy Spirit when we walk into our job. Let's walk into our job with the creative Holy Spirit that lives inside of you and let that creative Holy Spirit guide you, lead you. Maybe that creative Holy Spirit is leading you to be a voice of hope, a voice of encouragement. I'm not saying a voice of false optimism. Some projects fail. That's the way life is. But it's about being a voice of hope, even when actually 
The project's going really badly. Being a voice that says, what can we learn? Where can we move forward? Is the Holy Spirit leading you to be a voice that speaks out against discrimination and oppression where you are? That's a brave voice that the Holy Spirit can lead us into. Is it an adventure of honesty? An adventure of talking about ethics, morals within your workplace, challenging those around you to behave in in a more moral way. These are all big things. On my list, originally, I'd also put, could you be the person that makes a cup of tea? And Matt told me that was very twee and Christian. And so I took it out. Um, But actually, are you the person that remembers how people have their tea and coffee and prioritizes knowing about people? remembering people, remembering what they've told you, asking about it, telling them you're going to pray for them, asking them if your prayers have made any difference. Just remembering that they have one and a half sugars and they like their tea bag left in. It's a big thing for a lot of people being known. So we're going to have communion together. And I want us to pray during communion. You can pray on your own with a friend or you can come and ask someone to pray for you. But I want to pray for a few things. One, if you question the Holy Spirit's impact in your life, if you're not certain that you're full of the Holy Spirit, we'd love to pray for you, that you would have that confidence. And by that, for those people who've been around kind of Holy Spirit ministry where people fall on the floor, shake, do all sorts of things. I don't do that. I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I don't do that. What I mean is a confidence and a certainty inside you that the Holy Spirit is alive and doing amazing stuff. I'd love to pray with you. I'd also love to pray with you if you know that it is easy to turn off the Holy Spirit in your life, in your nine to five. If you don't engage with the Holy Spirit in your nine to five. You're not asking God, what's next, Papa? I'd love to pray with you because it's there. The Holy Spirit is guiding you throughout your day. You can engage with that. And then finally, if the idea of being drawn into that family of God scares you, I'd I'd specifically love to pray with you about that as well. If being, the idea of being a co-heir with Christ feels quite overwhelming, then I'd love to pray with you about that. But um, I'm going to hand over to Pete to lead us into communion.